Hey there, listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to Advancing Humanity. I'm your host, Charlie Peck. Please check out my new website, humanityspeaker.com. I am so excited about this. I have a new course for parents here who are struggling to connect with their teens. There is hope, parents, and this is cutting-edge material that you need to know about. I also have training materials for educators who want to better support their overwhelmed teen students. And I can bring you the unique lens of an educator, therapist, and a parent. So don't miss out on this. There'll be free events and downloads, so be sure to check it out. Again, it's humanityspeaker.com. Please also continue to connect with me on social media. I love hearing your stories, and you can follow me on Twitter at Charlie Peck, or you can find me on LinkedIn and join our Facebook group called Advancing Humanity. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, this is Charlie from Advancing Humanity. Today we have Dr. Monroe. Now he's an equity and inclusion rock star and he's an assistant superintendent of Caroline County Public Schools and a member of the Virginia Advisory Committee on Culturally Relevant and Inclusive Education Practices. It's really important to say because of his extensive information he's gonna share with us today and, and beyond. So I'm just so excited to hear Dr. Monroe. Thanks for being here. Hey, Charlie, it is a plum pleasing pleasure to be here with you. And thank you so much for, um, you know, seeking me and allowing me to be on your awesome show. So, uh, you know, again, it's just an honor to be able to share from the heart this morning. Yeah. And I know that you'll do that for this audience. And it's so very important right now. Can you tell a little bit more about your role and your goal in education? Well, you know what? Um, my role <laughs> uh, literally is I'm an assistant superintendent, but but really this is a lifestyle for me. My role is to ensure that all students are successful in school, but most importantly in life. And you know, my and our uh, promise to all of our students, you know, in Caroline and and beyond, is to make sure they're three E ready. And we say three E ready because that's something that everyone can just put in their hearts and their minds. And what that stands for, Charlie, is that every student needs to be employed, enlisted and or enrolled. Now, we know there's some talented kids that, you know, out there that are E squared and E cubed. But if you think about it, every every child is not going to a two or four year university. So if not, you know, military and employment is just as important. You know, we need to make sure that we're providing pathways and opportunities for all of our students so that they can connect not only, you know, with themselves, but with the world. That's why that three E is a non-negotiable, you know, and that's something that I walk and talk and we talk to kids and I say, hey, Charlie, what's your E? Oh, Dr. Monroe, I just enlisted to the, uh, you know, Air Force or whatever, or hey, Dr. Monroe, you know, I'm in the Certified Nursing A program and I just got a job with, you know, Caroline County Health, Health Department and they're gonna pay for me to go to community classes, you know, or whatever. Or, you know, I got students like, hey, doc, I just got a scholarship to UVA, you know, and they said, you know, that I qualify to play, um, you know, football or basketball or be in the band. So, yeah, that's what it's all about. It's all about making the underdog the top dog. I love that you, you talk about that underdog. And I love that you, you have opportunity there for everybody, every student. And we say that a lot. I know a lot of leaders say we leave no student behind. How do you ensure you don't leave anybody behind? It's tough to be a part of a large system. How do you do that? You know what, Charlie, it's all about relationships. And, you know, one thing that I try to model for teachers and, you know, for young administrators is it's not about race. It's not about color. It's not about gender. You know, it's about relationships because kids can feel 
whether or not you love them and whether or not you're connected to them. And what people have to understand is the kids who need love the most are the kids who probably deserve it the least, if that makes sense to you. So really it's about relationships and being able to connect with kids, not only in the schoolhouse, but in the community. That's how you make sure you don't leave any students behind because you have to know them in order to grow them. Love it, love it. Tell me more about that relationship building. I know you do a lot with your students in a really unique way with music. Can you tell me more about that? Well, you know, one thing that you have to do is, you know, in education, we have this buzz phrase called, you have to meet students where they are. Well, if you don't know where they are, <laughs> you don't know where to meet them. But one thing that I found is if we peel back the layers of our passions and our hobbies and our love, and we connect with kids, we can pour healthy passions and habits into them. And one thing that I do, I call it my COVID comfort, because you know we're in this whole thing, is drumming and music. And you know, it's a way to be mentally, physically, and spiritually well. So one thing I do with students is I connect with them through drumming and drum circles. So a lot of the kids that I mentor or a lot of kids I interact with, I might bring my bongos out, I might bring my congas out, I might play music, I might dance around with them. And then all the kids are like, oh, wow, that's neat. That sounds cool. May I try? And I'm like, sure. And what I found is if students are engaged with something that makes them happy or feel different, then they forget a lot of their troubles and they have something to plug into. Because if we don't give kids something positive to plug into, they will find something to plug into. And it may not always be something that's good for them or good for their community. Right. Wow. Well, tell me about infusions. You just told me a great story when we were off air. Can you tell me about that? Well, you know, it's all about what I used to call uh, street cred or hall cred or sidewalk talk. You know, I used to work at a campus style school. And when I became a high school principal, um, uh, you know, we started in the summer. So band camp was going on in the drum line. The kids were over there just fiddling around and doing their thing. So I walk up to the drum line. I'm like, look, girls and boys, ladies and gentlemen, I don't, I'm not feeling any passion. So I got on uh, the snare drum and I grabbed the drumsticks and I started drumming away and I started playing this little funky beat. And the kids were like, oh no, Dr. Moreau, what's up? Oh, he's, he's killing it, he's killing it. The cell phones come out, kids start recording, right? And then, uh, you know, they start posting on whatever IG or whatever the kids do. But what is so cool about that is the drumline captain ended up going to Virginia State as a music major and he just graduated a year ago. And he asked me to sit in on his first album. And just, you know, last night uh, we actually performed because we are actually promoting our album. And it was so amazing. We, we, we actually performed outside and it was right on the main drag on Broad Street in Richmond. And cars actually stopped because they said the music was so amazing. So it's just, it's, it's just you, sometimes you don't see the power you have when you nurture and you take care of those student seeds because it will come around full circle to nurture you back. And the fruits that that tree will produce will be amazing. Well, that is incredible because that's what we need moving forward, especially in a fractured system. And I love the language you use because language is so very powerful, as you know. 
So instead of saying at risk students, you say what? Tell, tell me what you use. Say at promise students, you know, there are not any child that's at risk. Kids are at promise because one of the things that I hung in my third grade classroom, my first year of teaching was this. And I would encourage everyone to take out a pen, a pencil, or take out your phone because even adults need to operate under this credo. So I'm going to say it loud and proud. Never say can't, say not yet, but soon with practice. Now, let me say it in English. Let me say it in English so you hear it, okay? Never say can't, say not yet, but soon with practice. Because you know what? I was a black boy who had an IEP. And listen to this story. Both of my parents were principals. So I was doomed from the start, right? But, you know, I'm 53 years old and maybe you can feel some of this energy in my voice. But imagine me in third, third grade. I was not the little kid that could sit still, you know, while, you know, you're in the reading groups and whatnot. And my parents used to laugh, but they were serious because they would say, boy, you better behave yourself. You know, we work for these people. But what is so crazy is when I got older, my parents said, Herbie, whatever you do, don't go into education. And like all good kids, I listen to my parents, right? <laughs> um, so anyway, you know, the moral, the moral to the story is we have to look at what kids can do and we have to let them know what is possible because kids won't do what they think they can do. Kids will do what the adults around them believe they can do. And when kids see that you believe in them, they believe in you and they can achieve things that they never thought possible. Wow. Gosh, we need that leadership. I love that. And so what are the gaps in the system? And I, I almost said education, but there's lots of systems in society that need more equity and, and inclusion. So what are those gaps and how do we fill those gaps? In a well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you right now what the gaps are. And then after I tell you what the gaps are, people, hopefully everyone will understand that it's just good, solid pedagogy for instruction where you lead from the heart. So here are the gaps. The first thing that all students need is something called a sense of belonging because everyone needs to feel like they belong and that they care. And a sense of belonging is defined in five characteristics. One, we have to make sure that all students are not only physically safe, but they have to be socially and emotionally safe. Okay, for example, I was a severe stutterer. So why would my teacher make me read orally in class? Now, it's all about engagement. There are ways that you can help me to engage with my classmates. And there are things that teachers can do to build relationships with me. But if you're sitting in the traditional rows, and I hope no one sits in rows anymore, if you're a severe stutterer, you are counting the paragraph that you, you are counting the people in your row, then you look down and count the paragraph you have to read. Then you start rehearsing, but you don't start rehearsing. You really start panicking and trying to find a way out. Because if you're captain of the wrestling team, if you're the drumline captain, you don't want that level of embarrassment. So what do you do? You take your drumstick out, you hit the girl in the back of the head in front of you and get kicked out of the class, right? Yeah, so why do I have to read a page of Moby Dick in 11th grade when a teacher knows I'm a severe stutterer? So again, you have to create safe environments where kids are physically, socially, and emotionally safe. Number two, you have to make sure that all students are valued. Again, remember, remember what I said? You have to know me to grow me, right? 
So if it's um, Ramadan, for example, last month, Ramadan, right? Well, if I celebrate that or if I recognize that, then why are you giving me candy every day? <laughs> you know what I mean? People say, you know, equity, diversity, inclusion doesn't matter. Yeah, it matters. You know, and if I refuse the candy, why are you getting upset at me? Don't you know I can't eat candy right now? So again, you got to know me to grow me, right? Yeah, so and if gotta, that teacher knew that student well enough and built that relationship, they wouldn't even offer the candy in the first place. So that's why the relationship is so important. It makes them feel valued, like you just yeah, said. love it. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, so you're like, hey, Charlie, I know this month, you know, candy and all of this food stuff that we're doing for Teacher Appreciation Week or whatever, it's not cool. So, hey, guess what? I'm going to give you extra computer time because in your because in your per, in your profile survey that we did the first week of school, you said one thing you love is extra computer time. So, you know what? While I'm passing out all this candy, why don't you have some extra computer time? See what I'm saying? I'm valued. Number three, I have power and choice. You see that little profile that I just referenced, you need to do some kind of student profile and document that. Because if you give students the appropriate level of power, it's really nothing more than voice and choice. We want kids to be engaged, right? So let them be a part of the process to be engaged. That makes sense, right? Absolutely. It's not rocket science. Yeah. Here is number four. Kids want to learn. All kids want to learn. So you have to make sure that you provide the avenues for learning. And it has to be relevant. You have to do something in a way that kids are like, oh, that's cool. You know, for right now, I don't know, kids are doing all these video games. I don't even know the names of them, of them all. But say you take their favorite video game and have them do some research that way um, in reference to technology careers, you know? So anyway. They have, they have to know that they're learning. But the most important one is kids have to know that they can make mistakes without losing their dignity. Ooh, that's deep. You mean I can be innovative in your class without being punished? Oh, I can make a mistake and, and not get a zero? Yeah, we want kids to be innovative. We want them to be creative, but you have to create that culture and environment in your classroom where I can make a mistake without losing my dignity. And what I call that is when you talk about discipline, we have to connect and correct before we catch and punish. Wait a minute. Let's take the pads back out. Let's take the let's take the phones back out. Put that in your phone. Write it down. You have to connect and correct before you catch and punish. And when you start doing that, you will be a happier educator. You'll be a happier person. And the results your kids will have will supersede those in other classes. Okay, I'm gonna stop you for a minute because I wanna dive into that, Dr. Monroe. This is really important. What do you tell teachers to do differently in their classrooms then to accommodate that? Because I think a lot of times we feel like we have to give a ton of assignments and grade all the assignments. But does that mean less assignments with lots, lots of opportunity to go through the process and then only grade one big assignment at the end? How, how does that look? It looks like this. You give students something that's gonna make a difference. And you give students what they need so that they can show mastery and a deep understanding of whatever the objectives or the concepts that you're trying to deliver. You don't have to give 30 math problems to see if a child can um, subtract with regrouping. You can give five math problems to see if a child has mastery, if they're the right five problems. So it's all about being intentional and strategic 
in what you do. And it needs to be thought out and it needs to be prepared. And you also need to prepare for the student that you know is gonna need extra help. And you also need to prepare meaningful activities and extensions for the students that you know are gonna finish first. Yeah, makes sense. Yes, indeed. Yep, thank you. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot in there about design, um, and we've mm -hmm. learned a lot about neuroscience. We just did a uh, a big virtual summit, and we had neuroscience scientists come in to talk to us about failure and how important it is for them to fail. They said, and they agreed, and they had never talked. There were a few of them. They said they need to they need to fail in a safe space, in a brave space, ninety five percent of their learning time, for that five percent of learning to overpower all of it for them to really absorb the learning. So it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. There just has to be a shift in attitude around that, doesn't it? It does. And see, we need to grade for what I call understanding. We need to grade for um, deeper learning. We need to stop grading for compliance. See, I think, I, th I think where a lot of teachers fall short sometimes, and maybe it's a habit of the way that we were taught, is if a child doesn't turn something in on time, it's a zero. If a child comes to class late a certain number of times, they lose points. Well, think about it. Why, why are they late to your class and they're on time to Ms. Johnson's class down the hallway? So a lot of times when we're pointing fingers at kids, maybe we need to point the other three fingers or look at the other three fingers pointing back at us and say, maybe if my lessons are more engaging or more exciting or more relevant, maybe Johnny might come to my class and maybe complete more, more work. You know, one thing, one thing I used to do, um, for example, when we did geography, you know, I always worked at at promise schools where, you know, the, the kids really didn't go beyond their neighborhoods. So, but all my kids like, well, most of my kids like sports. So when we did geography, I would always take out the newspaper and we would look at who's playing on Sunday. And I would say, okay, where is Pittsburgh? Where is Dallas? What um, state are those cities in? What's the distance? What coast are they on? If we were to walk, drive, take the train or fly, how long would it take us to arrive? Think about it. Those, if I were to ask those five questions and I had a 90 minute block, how much fun would that be? Right. And then each kid would have to share out their findings. They could draw a picture. They could Google it. Yes, I let my kids use their cell phones in my class. Why? Because that's how they like to be engaged. They could use their cell phones for that whole project, and they could even do their presentation on their cell phone. How amazing is that? What you do is you take a tool that kids use for evil, and you turn around and help them to use it for good, right? Right? You got to meet them where they are. And those are the kind of relevant activities I would do with my kids. They couldn't wait to get to class. They couldn't wait to share. We would run out of time. They were like, oh, Dr. Monroe, can I stay? I want to share mine. Oh my God, I want to share. And what's even cooler is when those kids get in the car when they get home. Guess what, mom? It takes X amount of time for the Steelers to fly down to Dallas this weekend. Hey, you know, the game comes on at one o'clock, right? Oh, we're going to watch it. Right? Yeah, so, it's Charlie, so, so it's relevant. Simple. That's simple. Yeah, it is. I love that so much. It's relevant. It's purposeful. It gives them opportunity to be empowered like, you know, like we need. Um, okay. Did you have some more to share? Because I, I think you do. I think I interrupted. Well, well, what I, what I, what I, what I wanted to say 
is, you know, I, I kind of told you about the five ways to create a sense of belonging, but, but also, you know, I got, I have some other letters. They're called the five C's. And here is the litmus test for, for teachers. Every lesson that a teacher teach needs to have these five C's. And you can write this down, team. This is the third round of writing it down and putting it in your phone. One, there needs to be a level of collaboration. Students need to collaborate every day, everywhere, every place, every lesson. That's C number one, collaboration. Number two, there needs to be a safe way to communicate. Even as a severe stutterer, I had the most amazing fourth grade teacher, Mrs. Ron Mueller. She was German. She taught us how, she taught us how to do the hustle and taught us German. I still know how to sing Old Christmas Tree. Old Tannenbaum, Old Tannenbaum, Detroit and Dinerblätter, the Grushnik Nor out Zomerzeit. Now, now it's Inventor Vintage Night, Old Tannenbaum. And dude, I'm 53 years old. I remember that. Learned that in fourth grade. You know what I'm saying? Um, so we have collaboration. We have communication. Number three, there has to be critical thinking in all of your lessons. Kids have to think critically. It goes back, Charlie, to that brain, the brain-based learning stuff that I'm sure was on your last podcast. With critical thinking, there also needs to be creative thinking, okay? For example, the kids say, well, Dr. Monroe, there's a gas shortage because the pipeline in Pittsburgh have been tapped into by the Russians. So there's no jet fuel. So I'll say, okay. So I guess they won't be flying to Dallas this week. Tell me five other ways they can get to Dallas. Go. You have two minutes. Nice. Right? They can drive. They can walk. They can motorcycle. Who knows? Three rivers. I don't know. Maybe landlocked. So they can't go uh, water. I don't know. So anyway, I'll let them figure that out. Right? Maybe they could take the rocket jets. Don't they know what's the Lexus guy? You got rockets going up now or something? I don't know. Um, so anyway, creative thinking. And then the last C is students need to be able to model citizenship. They need to be able to connect with their classmates and their learning community. So again, those five C's are communication, collaboration, critical thinking, uh, creative thinking, and citizenship. So again, Charlie, you know, <laughs> you know that's, how you, that's how you change the game. You know, you, you get those five C's in all your lessons. Kids will come to your class, they'll take their hats off, pull the pants up, and they'll use their cell phones for good instead of evil. Right. Boom. There you go. Love it. Love it. So what's your wish then? What is your wish for children in our system, families in our system then? The wish is for people to just love each other. We got to love each other regardless of what we look like, what we smell like, regardless of our area code. <laughs> what's the song? Love, love will help you to find a way. And, um, you know, here's a real, I mean, a true story, Charlie. Like I said, I worked at a predominantly black school. Um, free and reduced lunch was through the roof. Um, and, you know, I do all these little workshops for all of the teachers that I serve. And it was a little petite white teacher who uh, was a graduate student at the University of Richmond. She's like, Dr. Monroe, I, you know, I grew up privileged in the suburbs. You know, you're like the only the third black person I've ever talked to in my entire life. She's like, how will I, 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 I don't I, I don't think I have the confidence and I don't think these kids will listen to me. I don't know how to connect with these kids. I said, guess what? I said, just love them. They don't care what posters you have on your wall. They don't care about your curriculum. They don't care what textbook you use. Love these kids. I said, do you love someone? She said, yeah, I love my dog. She's like, yeah, I love my family. I said, then you love those kids like you love your dog. You love those kids like you love your family. And, and they will become your sponge. 
and they will lean on your every word. So don't worry about your color or your size or, or where you grew up. Lean on love, girl. Just lean on it. And it'll come back to you. So, you know, she has gone on to do amazing things. And then what's so crazy is this. Check this out, Charlie. After like after the whole school year was over, one of the other one of the veteran teachers who were stuck in their ways, they asked this teacher, how did you do it? You know, how do you get these kids to behave in your class as a first year teacher? She said, quote, I love them before I know them. Drop the mic. Drop the mic. She says, I love my kids before I know them. She said, when I look at my class list or I look at the kids that are going to be in my block, I look at the names and I tell myself I love them already before I even meet them. Wow. Wow. Think about that. Think about how much our students' behavior affects our attitude towards them or how you get a student list and other teachers talk about that list or kids on that list about, and you haven't even met them yet and you already come up with these, the, the bias yeah. thinking. I love that. That is powerful. Yeah, you know how some teachers, you know, they might run to another teacher. Oh, I can't believe I had, you know, Charlie Peck in my class. I had her older brother, la, 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 right? Yeah, that's Imagine right. that, imagine wow. that, man. So the way we view it is the way we pursue it, Charlie, right? The way we view it is the way we pursue it. There you go. So I think it's clear then about what teachers need to be doing differently. Let's talk about how equity and inclusion play a role in our children's mental health. Let's talk mm -hmm. about that. That's important. Well, you know what, Charlie? Again, I think it goes back to a sense of belonging. And I know one thing that we do in Caroline is we actually rest a lot of the work that we do on um, social and emotional learning, really on instruction. We say that all learning really is social and emotional. And uh, we actually follow Castle's principles. And, um, you know, we actually look at um, the way that we develop our classrooms and relationships with uh, students, because we believe that, you know, we have to foster something called mindfulness practices. And, you know, I, I don't know if we got time to go into that today, but it's really where we take time out with our students from K to 12, and we kind of anchor ourselves before we get into the learning. You know, we say kids have to be socially and emotionally safe before their minds will open up to accept the uh, curriculum concepts or whatever it is we're trying to teach them for the day. So whether it's breathing or listening to soft music or just sharing about, you know, the exciting things that happened this weekend, you know, we always try to ground ourselves before we start. We also, too, promote, you know, a growth mindset and attitude. And that's something that's really important. You know, we call it resilience, but it goes back to that never say can't, say not yet, but soon culture that we need to establish in our classroom. You know, honey, not yet, but you'll get it. You're going to get it. Um, the other thing that is important for social and emotional wellness is to make sure that we have positive peer and teacher relationships. You know, one thing I can say is that I've seen the level of engagement through this COVID um, pandemic really increase the connection between teachers and the student and teachers in the home. You know, right now we have, you know, virtual learning where teachers are looking into the homes of students and you know, at least on the elementary level, a lot of times the parents are looking right at the teacher, hearing instruction daily, and you can have those conversations and interactions that we've never had before. And really, I think that's been a positive that has come out of the pan pandemic. Um, 
And the other thing is by making sure that you have key and very strong social and emotional practices, it will also reduce your discipline, increase attendance, reduce your dropout rate, and also decrease other behavioral challenges and at-risk behavior of students. So social and emotional has to be a key element of every educational program throughout the universe. Mm -hmm. And I do work with trauma. So I, I hope mm. that every school, every organization, anyone who works with kids is trauma-informed. I think that absolutely has to happen now. Are you finding that schools are investing in trauma-informed training? Oh, we are, we are actually very much invested. First childhood experiences um, is something, you know, called an ACE score that our uh, division has delved into deeply. Because one thing that we, we know is the pandemic may have even been trauma inducing for a lot of our families. So as we, as we call it, we're not returning to learn we're returning to better. As we return to better, we are making sure that all of our teachers, leaders, custodians, front office staff are uh, trauma sensitive. And we've actually gone over a lot of different practices for our staff uh, to make sure that they're trauma informed. Excellent. That's so very important with the information, the science, all the data we have. It's so important. So I'm glad you all are doing that. So let's think about this as we kind of wrap up this conversation. Is there a focus on equity and inclusion for staff? Because staff are the ones who are showing up for the kids and they've got to show up for, as their best self and their mental health matters. So are there any initiatives around like equity and inclusion for staff? Yes, I know in Virginia is actually being mandated from the Virginia Department of Education that all teachers will have a series of classes and something called recursive training. Recursive training means that it involves self-reflection and that it happens um, over and over again. So it's not just a one and done. And um, teachers and leaders will be actually moving through a self-reflective continuum of building capacity in the areas of equity, diversity, and inclusion. And um, we're excited about it. And if I can share some of the topics that Caroline has already begun, uh, topic one um, is really foundations of diversity and inclusion. And it talks about microaggressions and things that we may be doing or saying that we're not even aware of. Because people don't, in my opinion, people don't have bad intentions, but a lot of times we just don't know what we don't know like the impact on like Ramadan that I mentioned earlier, you know, last month and the um, impact that might have on even teachers. I mean, if I'm a teacher that practices Ramadan, then why during teacher appreciation week, my principal only gives me food stuff to celebrate, you know? So again, and that goes into creating a sense of belonging. We've talked about those five pillars of a sense of belonging. Remember starting with being physically, socially, and emotionally safe. What we've done in our schools is we've listed ways that we can actually um, put those five pillars into action. And that's been exciting. And a lot of teachers, a lot of times, just need to know what to do because they're willing to do it. Another topic is navigating socioeconomic status because a lot of this equity, diversity, and inclusion is not just about color. It's about socioeconomic status. And it's also about students with disabilities. 
So we really need to make sure that we're all inclusive on what I call marginalized groups and making sure that everyone is recognized. You know, we have to really be able to create norms in a safe place to have what I call courageous conversations around navigating race and ethnicity. And then the other two rocks that we've covered thus far is parent and family engagement. And the last one was culturally relevant teaching. What does that look like? What does it feel like? And what resources can we arm you with to make sure that all groups are heard, seen, and recognized? Wow. Very, very powerful. I think people need to just sit with that because that's truly how we're gonna come together and move forward. So this whole thing is about how do we advance humanity? I think you did a really good job explaining the inclusion and equity and the need for that. So what is what is your next step? What are you doing to support this? Well, the next step now is to stand strong when people challenge your mission. You know, my dad used to tell me, you have to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. So the next step is for every single person to be an upstander because we can no longer be bystanders. We can no longer be just allies for equity, diversity, and inclusion, and for social and emotional learning. Because right now, this is a hot topic. People see that things are different here. Schools are doing things. White people are doing things. Black people are doing things. People who um, maybe have non-traditional gender um, beliefs are doing things. And what's sad, Charlie, is we're getting resistance. We have people protesting outside of our school board meetings and even in the neighboring town of Hanover protesting. And they're trying to call it critical race theory. You know, and I haven't done my research on critical race theory yet. I'm starting to because they're saying, Dr. Monroe, this is critical race theory and it's not good. And I say, well, you know what, ma'am, in all due respect, I am now beginning to study critical race theory so that, so, that, so that I can respond to you in an informed and educated manner. I suggest or I recommend you do the same with what our division is doing. Please do some research on cultural relevant and inclusive teaching because if you've done your research, you'll know that it honors and it celebrates and it recognizes everyone and it helps all kids to have a higher level of understanding and knowledge and it will help them to function and be better citizens in our world. So I'm just gonna tell everybody, you're either an upstander or you're a part of the problem. That's my advice. So, so true. And you give talks around this in workshops, right? Do you do Excuse that? Me? Say that again? Sorry, do you give talk, you, you, you speak on this to other- Oh yeah. I speak, on, I speak on it all the time. Um, I, um, you know, uh, I have a website where, you know, I, I speak to these things. I do little motivational videos on Instagram, LinkedIn, um, Facebook. So yeah, I, I, I live and breathe this, uh, and it is a lifestyle for me. So yes, ma'am, all the time, 24 seven, 365. Yeah. Well, that's what drew me to you. And I want to make sure people know where to find you if they'd like to talk with you more about this as well. Well, or great. Well, you... Well, you know what? I wish I had one one handle for all of the social media, but I will tell you, if you want to do the easy one, let's start with Instagram. It's a word from Doc, A-W-O-R-D, 
F-R-O-M-D-O-C, a word from doc dot com or a word from doc on Instagram. Um, on on LinkedIn is simply Dr. Herbert Monroe. Um, I'm an African-American male with a smile. So that's me if you see me. Um, on Twitter, it's actually Herbert Monroe 6. Now, back when Twitter, back when I jumped on Twitter, I was still coaching wrestling. So that six is going for the pin. You know, you got to pin your opponent. So that's why it's Herbert Monroe six, because I was still all about the wrestling thing at that point. And that's Twitter. And then on Facebook, it's probably just Herb Monroe or Herbert Monroe. And um, you can follow me on all of those uh, channels. And um, on my YouTube channel, it's a word from Doc on YouTube. And I have a lot of uh, motivational videos there. I also have a beat from Doc there where I do a lot of drumming. Uh, the band infusion is there. My drum circles are there and whatnot as well. But um, if you go to the website, a word from doc.com, click through it, check it out. And at the bottom of the website, there's a link to all of my social media, social media pages. So go to the website. It's probably the easiest way to find everything. Yeah, your website's really great. I do want people to go there, a word from doc.com, because it it really is a great website. You've got everything out, uh, laid out there well. And there's a section there of your awards and recognition. So any listener who's really considering getting somebody to come in for equity and inclusion, look, we have this conversation to make the awareness there. But if people want you in, they need to realize how powerful your voice goes way beyond this conversation. So check out the website. I really do encourage that. And Dr. Monroe, I hope we continue having this conversation together in the future. It's really important and I value what you're doing. Well, Charlie, I have a big ask of you. Next time you have a international conference or a local conference, whether it's uh, virtual or whether it's in person, I would love an invite and I would love to have a chance to work with you face to face. It has been a plum pleasing pleasure and blessing to get to uh, meet you today. So thank you so much for valuing me in the work that I do. And I look forward to our ongoing relationship. Great. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There you have it for Advancing Humanity. This is Charlie Pack, your host, and thank you so much for listening. Please rate this podcast. Also, check out my new website, humanityspeaker.com. I am so excited about this. I have a brand new course called Taming Teen Conflict for parents of teenagers who want to have more peace in their home and who want to reconnect with their teen. There are also brand new training opportunities for high school educators there too. It's nothing like you've experienced before. So go to humanityspeaker.com to get some free materials and to check out those resources. Connect with me on social media as well. I'm on Twitter at Charlie Pecked and you can find me on LinkedIn. And we'd love for you to join our Facebook group called Advancing Humanity. Thanks so much for being here.